Hello and welcome to this episode of the Man On podcast. The Man On podcast over the next few episodes will be looking at the political journey in Inverclyde with the run up to next week's election. We will be interviewing a number of candidates to get their views on mental health and how their party plans to take things forward after the election and to see in terms of the, the best possible routes for mental health and wellbeing. We do know that it's a key area in the election this year and we have been asked as a organisation to speak to a number of people in regards to what we believe is important moving forward. And we've spoken about key areas such as lower waiting times for people to access mental health services, better investment into mental health services, even services such as ourself with the peer support model that look into the importance of lived experience to support others and also the importance of getting it right for our young people. The huge waiting times for CAMS appointments and mental health appointments is unacceptable in, in our eyes and, and we believe that that has, has led to you know real issues for children and young people's mental health but also as well you know more well-being education for young people moving forward is, is a matter of priority. Manon firmly believes that mental health and physical health should be viewed as one and we hope that moving forward that can be seen as a, a priority. So we will feature a number of interviews over the next few episodes. We want to make it clear that we don't have any preference of a party. You know, from the organisation's point of view, obviously our members and volunteers have their own opinions and their own beliefs, but the organisation itself doesn't really stand or endorse any one party. We just felt it was important to try and get the views of as many of them as possible on here so that you can make an informed decision when it comes to election day. So we hope you enjoy these uh, podcasts that are a bit different and basically it will just be interviews with the candidates. Thank you. So I'm now delighted to be joined by Chris Marcellini, a local man and a well-known within Inverclyde. At Chris, we're delighted that, that you've joined us. Chris is our current serving councillor in Inverclyde and a candidate for the Alba party for the upcoming election. Chris, welcome to the podcast. How are things with yourself, mate? Oh, good. Good. It's good to, good to sit down and talk to you. Um, just really busy, obviously, at the moment. Um, they kind of helped me with the kind of national side of campaign, so <clears throat> kind of been all over Scotland, looking looking forward every day to the next eighteen hour shift <laughs> uh, on on the campaign trail. But um, it's uh, I feel good, you know. I I'm, I'm with the party, obviously, so probably like people knew me as like the SNP guy, and and in Rocklade, so I mean, it was quite a big deal. It's quite difficult actually, but you know, it's just principles in life you know if you wake up one day and you don't have principles anymore there's no point in what you're doing so just felt I had to make the move uh, and say work, working 18 hour days but never slept better which I suppose makes a point that we might talk about is you know how sometimes certain situations in your life can can definitely impact on your, your mental health so um, so big big day in Thursday we'll see how we get on and then what sort of, as always in an election, it's up to the people. Yep, 
Yeah, definitely. And it is a big day on, on Thursday and obviously part of what we're doing here on this these sort of political roadshows we're calling them is just trying to get as much information out to our listeners as, as possible in regards to everything in regards to all the parties and trying to make sure that everybody gets a chance to have their say. I was obviously very keen um, to, to get yourself on. You've Your party's obviously uh, quite new and you guys have been, I suppose, in the, the headlines over the last couple of months for that. For people that are listening in, um, before we check in on who you are, I suppose, and we'll do that in a second, can you just explain to them basically what the Alba Party is, if they don't already know? Well, well we're effectively a, a pro-independence political party. That um, Obviously, I know not everybody um, watching listening will, will agree with in the constitutional question, but our position was that the, the, the Scottish government weren't progressing the, the case of independence urgently enough. Um, and that's obviously resulted in quite a lot of harm to Scotland. And aside for that as well, the Scottish Parliament's fundamentally broken because you've got the SNP in government, um, obviously they're a pro-independence party. And then the, the rest of the parties who, you know, unionist parties, as people would call them, they, they, they seem to think the job in Parliament is to basically make the case of why Scotland shouldn't be independent. And, and I think the, the big problem that creates in the Scottish Parliament is you've got the SNP, you're the government, synonymous with each other, SNP, Scottish government, same thing. And you've got opposition parties that I don't think spend any time, never mind anywhere near enough time progressing real issues that matter to people that they can use the powers of the Parliament to actually improve because, you know, for them it's, you know, a, a failure in education is a failure in, you can't be an independent country, a failure in transport, a failure in health, etc. So I, I think that having a a new independence party who will, you know, we're not ashamed to say we'll push the case for independence because that's what we believe in. But at the same time, not be scared to hold the Scottish government to account. We think there is policy fail, fail, failures, maybe in education, maybe in mental health, maybe in drug deaths, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. Um, we can present new policies and good ideas that we think can make a difference in the here and now using the powers of the Scottish Parliament, which then doesn't need to become a constitutional fight on day-to-day issues which actually what matter to people and hopefully that will then you know lift up the standard of the other parties as well you know we see actually you know of course there's a big constitutional debate and that'll be hard but if you're in the parliament and your job to you know run health run education run transport run trains run ferries get ferries built on time don't have them stuck in shipyards um that's what we'll focus on and i think that'll be for the better good and then obviously we will we'll, we'll progress our case for independence um at the same time you know i think Governments need to be big enough to realise they can do more than one one thing at the same time. You know, for example, Nick Lowell thought about, you know, the pandemic. The pandemic's the big priority at the moment. Of course, it is. But you know, in 1945, before the world, the Second World War ended, you know, there was people working away on designing the National Health Service. They had to say, "Well, we'll wait to the end of the war, and then we'll think what post-war Britain will look like." You know, you you in the 1950s, and you perhaps you could be then have ended up with an NHS. You know, you need you need people to be doing, you know, the important things. In the here and now, we also need people to be planning for the future. And I think, you know, if we touch wood, get representation on Thursday, I think that's what we'll be doing, you know, as well as, you know, agreeing with everyone that, you know, that, that there's an immediate priority in terms of protecting people's public health. We need to be setting new ideas for how we'll actually recover better, which is the kind of, you know, the phrase everybody keeps using, but they just keep saying over and over again, recover better, recover better, but they don't set out specific policies that how. Do we recover better and why do you want to recover better? What are you recovering better from? For me, it's inequality and deprivation, which, you know, I remember saying 
you know, April 2020, deprivation was the reason that we were seeing um, such high levels of, of deaths in Inverclyde. And, you know, that was rubbished by, you know, the health board, it was rubbished by you know, Stuart McMillan, actually, the, the current um, SNP MSP. But then, you know, as you see across Britain, you know, the, the statistics clearly vouch for that. Um, and, it, and it's not as if the virus was just going about, we're going, well, like what, what house looks like, it's valued more than all. And you know, it's, it's interconnections of deprivation. So, you know, it's the fact that people perhaps that caught coronavirus that were older, you know, had poor health outcomes because of, you know, generational issues that just are all interconnected, you know, like so low pay, unemployment, you know, lack of, you know, many qualifications in education, quite often, you know, they're all interconnected and they lead to poor health. And they're also interconnected quite often to mental health. You know, there, there's a direct correlation between these interconnections of the multiple strand of deprivation and mental health. Um, and, and I think that's why we, we need to really prioritise that. And one, one of the things I was really proud of, that, that I, I, you know, obviously you know, the party's going to say that we're better than other, but you know, I, I think our five-point plan to you know eradicate poverty is really bold and ambitious. And, and importantly, it's something that doesn't need independence or it doesn't need you know an argument on the constitution. It's something that adds up to 2.7% of the budget of the Scottish Parliament. So it's, it's manageable. And I think it's, you know, it's step change policies to start actually making a difference to people's lives. And I think if you start putting money in a lot of people's pockets, you start reducing poverty, you know, that, that, you know, that, that, that's a scratch at the surface of, of mental health, but it's certain drivers for mental health, you know, it will help. So, for example, um, you know, 500,000 people in Scotland, um, the council tax reduction, you know, tens of thousands of them in Inverclyde, we're proposing putting five hundred pounds into you know their pockets in the start of every year, and you know that's not a bribe. It's a reality that people that are you know are the lowest paid, you know, they they they, they can build up savings. So you know that's why they go to you know Ramstons, shouldn't shouldn't name companies perhaps, but that's why they go to you know pawn shops. That's why they go to you know they get they end up with you know ridiculous levels of credits because you know when there's a rainy day they don't have five hundred pounds. And I think, you know, giving people that £500, spend it on what they want every year, I think, you know, gives people that little bit of assurance, you know, that there's going to be money there that they need. And actually, you know, it's it, you need to just at some point turn around and say, well, you know, everybody's going, to, why, why why would they get the money? But, you know, everyone says, oh, we need to reduce the gap between the richest and the poorest in society. But any time you actually propose something radical and saying, all right, well, we'll put money into their pockets, to, you know, to, to, to help do that, I think you need to just be willing to have the political will to do that. Um, one obviously, you know, big sporting background. So one of our policies, I think, will make a real difference is providing universal free access to sports facilities and gyms for under 18s, um, a million young people across Scotland. Again, you know, tens of thousands in Inverclyde. Um, and I just think that's a policy that you know people say, oh, you know, that's ridiculous. You know, you're just plucking figures out of thin air. But say, you know, 250 million quid that will cost the Scottish government. The, the NHS. It's costed about 363 to 500 million pounds each year because of obesity and productivity of the economy. It's estimated, big estimates, 0.9 billion pounds to 2 billion pounds. So the money that we, we, we lose as a society because of you know, the, the, the sick man of Europe tag that, that, that Scotland always had, I just think these, these policies are self funding. And the benefit that has, you know, getting young people. As a councillor, you always hear all you know, young people, the whole, there's a group of 10 of them standing there, do you know, make them go and stand somewhere else. 
But then it's all well, like, you know, pouring the rain at the moment, make them go and stand well. Whereas, you know, if you start getting them free access to swimming, free access to gyms, you know, football, you know the cost of football yourself. And um, so, you know, Underclay Council is actually better than a lot of councils. But even then, you know, all the fundraising the teams does just augments, you know, extra hires, et cetera. Um, you know, actually, I think it's ridiculous it costs. I see, you know, 300 pound pairs of boots. Some kids are wearing that you rip them after one session, you know. <laughs> I, just think, yeah. I just think that's crazy. But, uh, you know, you just try to, like, you know, universalise access to sport. It then just helps continue to reduce barriers or stigma because, you know, we're all in it together. Um, and I just think sport's such a great positive pathway for young people to get fit, be disciplined, you know, make friends, you know, get a kind of get a group mentality that we're all in it together sort of thing. And I just think that will make kids more confident going forward and up shop better for mental health. Uh, third, third point is doubling the education and maintenance allowance. Um, you know, it's, it's been £20 a week. It's paid fortnightly, which is confusing. So it's £40 a fortnight, but it's £20 a week. Um, it's been £20 a week since I was in school. Obviously, the world's moved on. Um, so it's over 20 years, it's been at £20. And... So that's obviously um, a policy that's aimed at helping young people stay in school for their education, etc. But if you don't meet your one hundred percent attendance, you don't get your your your, your educational maintenance allowance. Which again, I just think is ridiculous because it just fails to um, appreciate that there's a whole complex set of circumstances that a young person might not make, make it to school. Like they don't choose. I'm not going to go to school today because something really difficult happened at home for me. So we're also saying that should be reformed so that young people shouldn't be like domestic violence happens in households, you know, ill health happens in households. And it's actually quite a punitive policy that, you know, for some reason it's just under the radar for 20 years that you get your money deprived basically, you know, on a Monday you never turned up at school. And it might be, you know, you just happened to be unwell that day because your mental health wasn't good, which is something I think we should talk about, you know, in terms of actually getting a right to time off work. Um, for mental health but I think one of the, the, the biggest game changer policies that we're proposing is at the moment the Scottish government's brought in what's called the Scottish Child Payment so that's £10 a week to, 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 to many low-income families and all the parties are proposing changing that to £20 a week but the Joseph Rowntree Foundation say well that's good but it's still going to trap kids in poverty it's got to be £40 a week if you want to lift all the well I think 90, 90, well over 90% of Scotland's children out of, out of poverty. So we're proposing it should be £40 a week. And again, if you look at the numbers, it, it, it's affordable. So again, I just think it's, it will be one of these policies that you know you go onto Facebook, you know, you don't tell a page about it and you'll have a big debate about why are these people getting that, why are they, why am I not getting that? But you know, you, you can't level up society if you just don't at one stage accept that, you know, is it that person's fault they get paid £9 an hour and you get £20 an hour? You know, like so. You want to just scrap? I don't. I don't hear anyone proposing a communist state of scrapping pay differentials that we should all be getting paid the same level of money. So, as long as you live in a society that we do get paid different levels of money, you're always going to have a gap between the richer society and the poorest in society. Um, and I just think that putting that forty pound a week into you know hundreds of thousands of families, you know, benefit something like twelve thousand uh, families in, in Inverclyde. It will be a real step change, and you know the, the Scottish government's really fixated on closing the, the poverty-related attainment gap. Actually, we talk about that a lot, but they don't talk enough about poverty, which I've always thought is really stupid. Uh, you know, because teachers are great, so you put resources and you know extra teaching resources into school, you get schools extra money, and that 
produces the, the, the attainment gap because of that intense resource. But in a few years' time, when you take that resource away, you've not addressed the poverty. So you, you, you've a wee blip that, yeah, you've closed the gap for five years because you put extra funding into education, but you never addressed poverty. So the poverty-related attainment gap's not going to go away. And then the fifth, fifth point with plans, you know, which I think everyone is moving towards that, um, universal free school meals. Um, but, but for all kids, including high school, you know, I've just never understood why political parties propose it for, like, you know, P1s to P3s, which was the kind of position for many years. And I'm thinking, yeah. well, what happens at primary four? Does all of a sudden it, the cost of the school day becomes affordable? And then I think almost all the part, other parties are saying, well, it should be universally free school meals for all primary school kids. But then it's like, you know, you, you, you might know, it's like, high school's like ridiculously more expensive. So why would you have a policy in place that says, well, you get free school meals free in primary school, but as soon as you go to high school, and talk of everything else where, you know, the pressure of these ridiculous school trips, which, you know, I suppose I wouldn't want to be the punitive person to say we should ban school trips, but, you know, <laughs> when, when I see some of the newsletters coming in and it's like, you know, £600 at this place and £600 yeah. at that place, the obvious, the obvious point comes to your head straight away, you know, in terms of affordability. But, you yeah. know, high school, you know, just the, 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 the cost of the school day just, goes through the roof so I just think that you know you, you, we should be embedding free meals into the curriculum um, but again what's that got to do with mental health I just think it's part of that wider strategy of creating a healthier population healthier young people physical health and mental health I think they're interconnected um, and I just think you know as we move on you know the, the, the strain that takes off the NHS you know in 10, 20, 30 years time it frees up money resource can be spent elsewhere people you know, I just think fitter people sometimes are happier people. Um, you know, I know myself, you know, I, I balloon, you know, I go between my whole life between like 19 stone and 14 stone. I'm up and doing like a yo-yo. I certainly know that I feel more confident when I'm in the lower, lower, lower end of that. I just think, you know, putting an emphasis on embed, embedding into the, the curriculum, good nutrition, so that young people can start to learn vocational skills, which I think have been, you know, we've, we've, we've taken our eye off the ball um, on that through, you know, you know, Right, right or wrong, there's been a stress on academic achievement, you know, going to university, getting a degree, you know, that's the definition of success. Whereas, you know, as an apprentice electrician, I would obviously argue that, you know, there are other definitions of success. So, so, that's why, so I think that, you know, it's a five point plan there, which is affordable. Um, so, that's something that we would definitely be pressing the government to take on board because you just think that putting money in people's pockets, starting to, you know, every year, oh, there's the latest league table, and under Clyde, top of the league table again. It's like, well, where does the extra, where's the extra resource to address that? You know, if you, if you want to just keep saying more of these, like, you know, one-size-fits-all policies and you don't want to target, you know, there's money into your pocket to actually help, you know, reduce poverty, poverty which will then help you, you know, get, you know, better educational outcomes. It'll help you get better physical health outcomes. You know, it'll, it'll help you in so many different ways, which are all interconnected and ultimately includes mental health. Uh, I, I think that's a, a really good place to start. That's pretty comprehensive in terms of the information and I think for anybody listening and, and obviously I'd, I'd said this at the top but the, the point of these is just to give people more information because sometimes in the lead up to elections sometimes people just see the odd headline or some sound breaks or whatever so I think it's good to actually dig a bit deeper and find out and definitely a lot of that stuff is is very much linked in with mental health and well-being and, and physical health obviously very closely linked into that and I think you know based on on all of that you've touched on some of the things about personal to yourself obviously time served the electrician and everything else but what about you as a person then so are you obviously 
Hearts at Inverclyde, you're born and bred in Inverclyde. Do you mind sharing a little bit about your journey to, to where you got to just now? Well, I was actually born in Alexandria, the other leaving oh, hospital. Okay. Right? And I moved to Great Mum and Mum and Dad are obviously taking up and we moved right. back here when I was um I think so I'd have been four when we moved we moved right. back over to Greenock, um which obviously so so that's well, I'm glad that we did. Um but I remember even as a youngster it was almost like we were um, we were burning in exile because we were still Morton fans coming over for Morton games and all that. Um so obviously I went I went to school here. Um and then I had the opportunity because I had played football all my young days. I was on Morton's books. So I then had the opportunity to go to university to do a degree in like, I don't know, sport in the community or something like that, or go and get a trade. So I picked the trade, which I'm glad I did. Because um, you know, I just think there's a, there's a, I'll just be frank, obviously, I just think there's a complete snobbery in the Scottish academic world and how it thinks that, you know, Somebody that does a foundation level degree for three years, you know, that's you look at the SQA LPO, that's valued up here. But a degree, you know, that you sorry, a, a, an apprenticeship that you can get a trade that sets you up for life, it's like, but you know, that's just well, that's an opinion. <laughs> so, um, so when I was a tradesman, um, I got quite politically active in the trade union movement, so I became like shop steward, uh, workplace rep. Uh, I know some people don't refer to as a shop steward anymore. Uh, we, it was Amicus, it was me and then Unite, yeah, got really kind of politically active in that. So then in 2012, um, kind of with that kind of union activism behind me, plus not being uh, a, a big fan of Inverclyde Leisure. Well, well, in, I played with Guru Amateurs, I think, at the time. Uh, I thought I'm going to stand for council because it's at the time we saw these sports facilities that got elected, realised it was. A bit more complex than that, of course. Um, uh, and then just you know, continued to get political. Um, uh, I was in the SNP obviously, I was uh, 2006, I joined the SNP, and then over the last couple of years, you know, just not any secret, you know, not being getting on with the leadership of the party, and um, which coming from Clyde, and uh, you know, I see statistics every year. Uh, on child poverty, deprivation, drug deaths. And I just personally couldn't quite stomach that I thought we were totally fixated on what I class as niche issues. You know, like people maybe used to call it PC gone mad, but now they're supposed to refer to it as like wokeism. You know, spending so much time focused on issues like that, and they don't want people to poverty. Um, and, you know, if you look to the Scandinavian countries, that, you know, people say, well, they are the most inclusive and fair and equal countries in the world. Also, have the, the smallest gap between the richest and the poorest in our society. So, I would humbly argue that if you, you know, fix poverty and you know put money in people's pockets and give them good jobs, and you know that that will tackle a lot of other issues. So, and then obviously the issue of independence. Then I just wasn't quite happy with the party, so I made the move to Alba, and then here we are. Which you know, as I that's quite refreshing because I just think now those that those that are have joined it, you know, we've got an opportunity that I think there are there are political interventions that, that you, you probably couldn't have made as part of the SNP. Whereas now you can you can, as you say the five point plan, for example, um, you can you can, you can pick issues that you think will make a, a difference to how we recover the coronavirus, you can campaign for them. And I, I think that, you know, they are good popular policies that will make a difference that the government will be forced to, to embrace. Um, whereas perhaps you wouldn't have been able to do that to the government um, um, previously. 
So <laughs> obviously that will depend on the people's verdict on Thursday, quite rightly so. Um, and we'll see how it goes for that. Yeah, no, that's it's good. And thanks for, for sharing, sharing that personal information, obviously, about yourself. I think it's important that um, people have an understanding of, of mm-hmm. politicians as individuals because it's very easy to sort of realise that you're, you know, uh, people can be feeling that they're robotic and, you know, they just follow mm-hmm. a certain thing. But it's mm-hmm. good to obviously have a bit of background about yourself. So on to the, on to the election, obviously, on, on Thursday. It's a bit of, I'd imagine, a bit of a different kind of feel for you getting into it where mm-hmm. um, it's kind of like Luis Figo joining uh, Real Madrid after playing for Barca a wee bit I think but um, <laughs> a different different vibe <laughs> Thursday how are you feeling about about everything coming up for Thursday I, I'm, I'm getting you know good vibes after you that you're feeling better you're, you're probably your own mental health's a bit better but how are you looking forward to, to Thursday uh, well, I, I would compare us more to Rio Vallecano as the the, the, the plucky left wing underdog against the, the establishment obviously Um <laughs> I think Valacano got relegated for La Liga and they're going to back in, mind you, so maybe not a bit. We'll leave it Barcelona then, put it that way. <laughs> um, I, it'll, it'll be interesting because, you know, there's polls come out, you know, sometimes two polls come out a day now and they've not got a clue, right? And I think this election is going to just give them a scalp. Um, the amount of money they get for how inaccurate their information is, you know. i seen the Scotsman newspaper last week it had a front page poll in the morning about you know the SNP are losing the majority and the Tories are having a surge. And then later on that day, a different poll, they had a new article online about the SNP are winning a majority and the Tories are on, on a plummet. So they're all over the place. Um, I mean, it was the same in America. You know, they had Joe Biden was beating Donald Trump by 10 points in so many states. But, you know, I woke up that next morning and, you know, the, the bets weren't getting paid on, on, on Trump. And then obviously it flipped the other way. So... You know, I think it just proves that the only poll that does count is the election. But you, but you, you can't get the, the feel that you normally get because, you know, like in a normal election time, you know, I'll be at on a Saturday. So you're talking to lots and lots of people. You're getting a vibe. You're going to the pub. Different type group of people. You're getting a vibe there. You know, go to, go to even like you go to chop and talk to people on a Sunday. Different, you're just talking to so many different people and you're getting different vibes. Never mind the, the canvassing that goes on, which I've always dislike because you know I just think you know I've always thought there's one way you want to annoy somebody that's going to knock the door and ask them who are you going to vote for um in an election it's just it's, but you get data from it so you you get you get a, you get a steer but you don't have any of that this time um you're going to be just like word of mouth on limited conversations because we're obviously not meeting hundreds of people um and I, I genuinely don't know I, I I feel quite confident in that you know when I I don't, I've never thought I live in a political bubble because I've always kind of thought myself as like an outsider in the political world. Like, you know, a lot of people don't like me in politics because, you know, I'm not the kind of, I didn't go to university, I didn't go and get a job with an MSP or an MP to climb up the ladder. I kind of just, you know, worked a trade, still worked my trade, worked in the council, criticise the government when I think they've done wrong and, you know, praise them and think they've done right. So, you know, which is now, I suppose, the political mould. Um, so, so I, I, kind of, I suppose I don't like using the word normal, but you know, I, I don't think I'm a political boffin that the only people I know, well, I mean, put it this way, you know, most of the people I know in politics, you know, when they socialise with them, uh, we're in a political, well, well, former party I'm talking about. Um, so, so I talk to people that class is just are like me, and, and the vibe's all right. So I, I think it'll be quite interesting. Um, and we'll see, we'll see what happens. I mean, I, I think the Scottish Parliament, regardless of your opinion on 
independence has to fundamentally change. It's you know it's became such it runs the risk of becoming detached with people in Scotland the same way, you know, that I and others would argue the UK Parliament's detached with people in Scotland, you know, it's it's very Edinburgh centric and Edinburgh focused and you know <laughs> anyone through a part of the world that goes to Edinburgh, it's you could be in you could be in Copenhagen or Prague, you know, it's it's a it's a completely different world. And I think it's got it's got its own bubble. Um, and I think that obviously then does impact on, you know, if you look at your, your Scottish government, you look at your, your main political parties, um, who are the big West of Scotland beasts in the political world? There's none. Um, so, you know, does that then talk to some of the reasons why you've got two ferries stuck in Ferguson's? Because, you know, nobody really has a clue about industrial strategies that don't come to this part of the world. You know, does that explain why, you know, Islands are waiting ferries because you don't really have anyone in an island community. Does it explain why every year, um, you know, you had drug death statistics which were dreadful, and it was only because it got you know Peter Smith on the ITN News gave it this big coverage this year, and all of a sudden it was a problem we had to address, and then you're sitting going, well, we've been saying it's been a problem we've had to address for twenty years, and I think you know it's the same with deprivation, so. Um, you know, Andrew Clyde becomes the centre of the, the political world again when the SIMD figures come out in January 2020, saying we're the most deprived local authority, which actually get changed, which a lot of people missed during coronavirus because I think Glasgow they miscalculated in Glasgow actually went back in at number one, but Central Greenock the most deprived um, data zone in all of Scotland, um, which I wasn't surprised about because you know it's, it's it's multiple deprivation, so you've got a lot of elderly people there, elderly people that you know didn't really get many qualifications, have got poor health conditions. But you know, I wasn't surprised. And, and the fact that you weren't surprised, I suppose, is should be working harder, but it's sad because figures get released and you'd be expected, like, you know, where's the summit? You know, uh, with, with a summit when Super Ali and Neil Lennon <laughs> squared up with each other one night. You know, where's the, where's the summit for deprivation? You know, saying this is unacceptable. And then too many politicians get sucked into this trap of thinking, you know, oh, we just need to get this, you know, say there's like hundreds upon hundreds of data zones. We just need to get this green up one up the league table. And then you get the next league table, oh, we've, we've done better. But it doesn't, doesn't mean you've you've changed anything in that area. It just means that, you know, which you know, it's Fairless Park was, was previously. Yeah. It doesn't mean that they've improved because they've overtaken us. It could possibly well mean that we've got worse. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that's like, how do you assess people's happiness? How do you assess their mental health? Um, and, you know, I just think it's got to be targeted interventions, and, and I, I just think that we 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 we're probably like the children of the evolution, and that you know, the Scottish Parliament was created in nineteen ninety nine, and we can and you, you've grown up with it, and you know, perhaps it was like a a short period that you thought, oh, there was, there was working class voices in there, you know, really, you know, speaking in a, a sort of dialect and language that doesn't fit in with the place, but I I genuinely think that's part of the problem. Is that you know you've got a kind of you've got a, a society that's you know it's, it's became very managerial you know very mid, middle class centric you know so that's what your government is so then that's what your government knows and understands um, and you know if there was somebody in their banging table shouting about it's unacceptable that we've got so much poverty in the west of Scotland in Glasgow and north and south Lanarkshire parts of Dundee you know all over Scotland um, I, I just don't think you could ignore the issue because because it's ignored. I mean, there's no other justification for why each year figures are allowed to be published in the same areas of, you know, these dreadful um, 
gaps between the you know the, the best off people and the less off society. I think that's got to drastically change. And you, know, it, 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 it's not you can just you can put stats beside stats. And you know, and you go like for example, Inverclyde, um, most deprived place in Scotland. It's also um, get the highest um, amount of people with adult learning difficulties. So again, it's like okay, might be unrelated, but you know, fair enough. Uh, most deprived place in Scotland, highest mortality rate that came to coronavirus. Most deprived place in Scotland, uh, third highest uh, that came to drug deaths. Most deprived in Scotland, some of the lowest life expectancies in Scotland. Most deprived place in Scotland, some of the lowest healthy life expectancies. So actually, you know, how long should you live before you start being unhealthy? You know, it's like 58, 59 in Greenock. So we're talking about people's quality of life. Basically, you've got a healthy life expectancy of 59. So you can expect to be healthy until the age of 59 and then the rest of your life unhealthy. I mean, that's just like tragic. And, and, and I just think that needs, you know, it's just fundamentally needs people to say, well, you know, independence is really important to me and, you know, other issues are really important to others, but it needs people to say actually poverty and deprivation is really important to me and we're going to vote with our feet if you don't fix it. Um, and, 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 you know, that's, I've been quite privileged that I've been able to, I, I think, make this an, an election issue so that it can be ignored this time around. No, it's it's great. Cheers for for sharing all that information, and, and I think it's 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 quite clear. Although your your party has you know only been together for a short period of time, that you've obviously got a, a clear vision there, and you've got yeah. a clear clear passion, obviously for for Inverclyde, which is which is good to hear for myself because I've got the same passions for Inverclyde in regards to really trying to understand why these statistics are here and what you see every day. I mean, through our doors, we. The statistics that you're talking about, we actually see them in real life form. The people that come mm-hmm. through and the, the lack of hope that, that some people have, and that's where our service hopefully has helped people by bringing up that relationship, making that connection with them. You know, making them feel part of their community. And um, so, yeah, it's good to it's good to hear how passionate you are um, about Inverclyde. And obviously, we've only got a few days a few days to go, um, and, and the countdowns on. And what we're sort of saying to to everybody at the the end of these podcasts is we want you to obviously look after yourself over the next few days. Hmm. Stress levels are probably going to be um, increased and obviously we we wish you well over the next few days and look after yourself and hopefully after, you know, after the week and the dust has settled, we can get a wee wee corrector to see how things have have went for yourselves. Absolutely. That'd be great, Chris. Brilliant, brilliant. That's good. So you look after yourself over the over the next few days. I'll I'll keep following you on Twitter and seeing how <laughs> how things are how things are going. But take care and uh, we wish you all the best for the rest of the week. Appreciate it. Thanks very much. Cheers. Cheers, Chris. Cheers now. Cheers for listening to the Man On podcast and happy to have you here with us. We are delighted to be sponsored this year by a local decking company uh, who go by the name of GoDeck. You can find them on Facebook or on their website when you're searching for them. It's important to remember the hyphen in between Go and Deck. So you'll find them on www.go-deck.com. Thank you.